Hey, welcome to the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast. We're so glad that you decided to listen today. We have a saying in our church, life is messy, everyone is welcome, and anything is possible. So no matter where you're at in your life, we hope that this message brings you some encouragement. Enjoy. My name is Matt. I'm one of the pastors here. We're going to be in the book of Ephesians. So if you'll take your Bible, I hope you have your Bible. If you don't, you can use the screen. Uh, we'll be uh, going through mostly in the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at the book of Colossians as well, but some of Paul's writings about the body of Christ. This is week four in a sermon series called We Greater Than Me. We Greater Than Me. Uh, if I could even just like start the message And if I could, we don't have the time to do it, but if I could individually go up to each one of you, shake your hand, look you in the eye and say, you have a purpose in the body of Christ. And we're going to, we're going to, we're going to talk about that. But if I could stop for just a moment and look you in the eye and say, before we go any further to start this off foundationally. I believe, according to the word of God, that no matter what you've gone through this week, no matter what you've gone through this year, whether it's an it's a, it's a up uh, a week or an up year or a down year or a valley year, maybe it's some of, the, some of the stuff that you have outside of your control, even if it's stuff inside of your control, like you mess things up, like you did wrong, like you wronged somebody and you're feeling shame or you're feeling guilt or maybe somebody wronged you and and you don't know how you're going to be able to forgive someone or get over something or maybe you've had a rough year financially or or you had a, a loved one pass away and you're wondering, I don't know how to get through this. Can I tell you that God created you and in his sovereignty, he knew that you were going to be in this season in your life. Nothing takes him by surprise. And if I could look at you and say, God has a purpose for you. I promise you he does each individual. It doesn't matter how young you are, how old you are, what your physical physical abilities or physical disabilities are. God knew that and he has a purpose for your life. I promise you. If 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 you can't get that portion you might as well just shut the brain off and just kind of glaze over and we can go through the message you can walk out the doors but I believe this morning that God wants you to hear this not because uh, hopefully it'd be a great message you'd be like wow that was a great message not because of that because God wants to equip you God wants you to be ready to go face the world this rest of the week with his Holy Spirit power knowing that this week God has a purpose and a plan for each one of your lives Every single person in here, I believe that uh, uh, in the culture that we live in, the American culture, but even American Christian culture, a lot of times we look at church as a weekend event that we come to and there's a, a, a celebration and it's fun and it's, it's hopefully, you know, we try not to make it boring, we want it to be at least even a little bit entertaining, but I hope that above all the entertainment, above all of the feeling, above all of the man that was an awesome, wor- an awesome worship set or whatever your thought may be, above that all, I hope God gets glorified and that as you walk out this morning, that you know exactly what you need to do or you feel equipped to face the week knowing that God has a purpose for you. Let's look at Ephesians chapter one. We're gonna start there. I'm gonna read a little bit of scripture. Are you guys okay with that? Everyone good? Okay, give me a thumbs up. If you're okay, great. Look to your neighbor. Everyone look at your neighbor. Say, I'm glad you're here. Okay, some of you did not say that. 
okay? And it was your spouse you were looking at, so that makes me a little worried, okay? But uh, uh, we're going to read Ephesians chapter 1 and verse number 20 and verse number 23. It says this, God is, or Paul's writing about what God is doing. And he says, he, God, exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens. Far above every ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given, not only in this age, but also in the one to come. And he subjected everything under his feet and appointed him as head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of the one who fills all things in every way. But speaking, oh, I'm sorry, uh, now we're going to look at Ephesians chapter 4. So I'm going to give you literally five seconds to turn over to Ephesians 4. It goes 1, Ephesians 1. Ephesians 2, Ephesians 3, and then Ephesians 4. Great. Okay, some of you are like, we're just going to wait for the screen. We don't care. Okay, Ephesians 4, uh, verse number 15 says this, But speaking the truth in love, let us grow in every way into him who is the head, Christ. From him the whole body, fitted and knit together by every supporting ligament, promotes the growth of the body for building up itself in love by the proper working of each individual part. How many of you took biology in high school or college? Okay. How many of you liked biology? Okay. Less hands. Oh, more than the, wow, you got, this is the smart service. First service, it was like five people that raised their hand. It was like, everyone's like, yeah, we took that. How many of you enjoyed it? Not me. Okay. I, uh, I wanted to enjoy biology class, but I'm going to tell you, it was like, like way over my head. There is so many intricate parts to the body and how it works and how it functions. One thing can go wrong here, and then that makes another thing go wrong. Like uh, uh, if you ever had to take like a prescription drug, I mean, there's a reason why they ask you, right? Like, are there any other drugs that you're taking? Because that drug could have set this drug into this drug, and then before you know it, like everything is messed up. And it'd be better if you were just off all prescription drugs, right? There's all kinds of different things going on with the body. Uh, uh, I looked up, I Googled interesting facts about the body. I was able to use about 1% of them. Um, but I got, I got some things written down here. Did you know that a single human brain, um, some of you, you may need to like divide this by two because he's like, I'm just kidding. Come on. I'm, t- I'm joking. But seriously, some of you probably need to. No, joking. Uh, generates more electrical impulses in a day than all the telephones of the world combined. Isn't that cool? That's a cool fact. Yeah, it's useless, but you can put it in your pocket and walk around with it. Um, women's hearts beat faster than men's. Wow. Isn't that cool? Okay. Wow, you guys are really excited about that. That's awesome. Uh, here's, here's a great one. I love this one. The human nose can detect about one trillion smells. Some of you have teenagers, and you know this to be true. <laughs> That's good. Good one, Pastor Matt. Uh, for those, uh, like, uh, let's see here. Here's another one. I'm not going to read them all. Uh, here's one. Your ears and nose, did you know this, never stop growing throughout your whole entire life. Which I don't know if that means like you become more of a liar because your nose grows or what that means. But uh, yeah, your nose and ears never stop growing. The body of Christ, when we talk about the body of Christ and we talk about uh, and we kind of liken it to uh, 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 the body that we know, there's two, ti- there's two times that term is used in the New Testament. In the Gospels, it's literally referred to as the body of Christ, meaning 
the literal body of Christ that lived for 33 and a third years on earth. Uh, the Son of God, Jesus, was the body of Christ. Uh, there's also, when Paul refers to the body of Christ, which these are two letters that we're going to look at. One wrote to a church in Ephesus, another letter uh, written to a church in Colossia. Both of those letters, Paul uses the metaphor of the body of Christ to describe the church. We're in a series called We Greater Than Me. So we're going to talk about us as the body of Christ. If you are under the sound of my voice this morning, God gave you gifts. God gave you a purpose. And that purpose links in and, 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 it, and combines to be the body of Christ. Now, if we look at the two verses that we previously read, there's one thing that's a common denominator in all of them. A body has to have a head. In fact, that's point number one. I learned this in biology class. Without a head, there is no life or there is no body, okay? Uh, I actually ordered a Mr. Potato Head. I was hoping that was going to get here in time for the message, but Amazon uh, failed us. Um, but uh, uh, I was going to have a Mr. Potato Head. You know how like it all connects into like Mr. Potato Head, like the head, right? Can you guys picture it? Okay, I just put the, I put the arms on and the legs on and the nose. and Okay, uh, how many of you had a Mr. Potato Head growing up? Wow, I, there was just as many hands went up in the first service as second service. I feel deprived as a kid. I never had a Mr. Potato Head, and I have one coming to me. And it's going to be great when it gets here, but um, I, I guess I'll give it to my daughter or whatever. Um, without a head, there is no body. Let's look again. If you put the verse up on the screen again, Ephesians chapter 1, and we look at verse number 20, and talking about God the Father here, he is saying this about Jesus Christ, his son. He said he exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at his right hand in the heavens. Can I, can I, can I pause for a moment and let's look at that scripture and really meditate on it? He exercised this power in Christ by raising him from the dead and seating him at the right hand in the heavens. Verse 21, far, say that next word with me, far what? Above every what? Ruler and authority, power and dominion and every title given. Jesus Christ lived for 33 and a third years on earth. He was the son of a carpenter. He was known a lot for his humility and for his meekness. Only one time do we see in scripture really where he flipped tables over and said, no, this is going to happen. Can I tell you right now that Jesus that lived on earth, although he does live in heaven, he's kind of a different looking Jesus now. He's sitting at the right hand of the father. The Bible says hair white as snow and is ruling and reigning. When he came to earth, did he rule and reign? No. He didn't take part in the governments. He didn't tell people, you have to do what I say. He said simply, follow me. And those that decided to follow, those that decided to bow, could bow. But can I tell you that at the end of time, when Jesus comes back and one day we're sitting or standing in front of Jesus, we will either have bowed now or we will bow. I think we forget that thought sometimes. I think we think that bowing is an option. It's an option right now. 
But one day we're going to be in the presence of the creator of the universe and the son of God. And his face is going to shine so brightly that if we were here on earth, we would not even be able to look Jesus in the face for the for the the sight of him would be so euphoric and so great and so awesome and so powerful. Right now we would be dead. That's what the Bible says. And one day we will be in the presence of God Almighty and Jesus Christ, his son. And we are going to be in so much awe that we will immediately bow our knee. Student, can I tell you that the problems that you're going through in high school, although very real to you right now, can I tell you one day when we stand in the presence of the creator of the universe, we are not going to think about this world. We're not going to think about the problems we had. We're not going to think about the successes we had. We're not going to think about any of those things. We're going to think about how awesome is the person I'm standing in front of right now and I need to worship him. Worship won't be an option when we get in heaven. Not because we'll like, oh, what am I doing? I'm worshiping. We're going to be in so much awe of Jesus Christ that we're going to say, I've got to worship you. When we get here on earth and we get caught up in all of these other things and we become an arm or a leg and then we get really proud because we're a part of the body of Christ. And we're like the little arm going around going, look at me. Look how powerful my arm is. Look how awesome I am. And the truth of the matter is we are absolutely nothing without the head. We're nothing without Jesus Christ. Our purpose on earth is nothing without Jesus Christ. I don't mean this in a humorous way, but it's going to come across humorous. humorous, So hopefully you'll laugh. But like if you see a body without a head, it's kind of gross. That's like a horror film. Like they make horror films with like the headless horsemen and like people that are headless. Some be like, well, you never see that. Yeah, okay, whatever. Because it's not normal for a body to not have a head. Because a, a body without a head doesn't function. It's dead. Oh, it rhymes. A body without a head is dead. Okay? And if it rhymes, it must be true. Okay? <laughs> Think about it. Finders keepers, losers. Weepers, it's true, it rhymes. Okay, moving on. Without a head, there is no body. I feel like, I believe that in our culture, in American Christian culture, we are overstimulated. When we come to church, we can quickly be, if the show isn't good enough, if the pastor's not on, if someone didn't greet us or didn't shake our hand or someone's sitting in our seat, or the weather was this way, or the weather was this way, and we get caught up in all of these things, and we forget to realize that we are a part of something bigger than what's going on on earth. We live for 70 years plus, maybe less, maybe more. Compare that to eternity, and there is no comparison. Everything we're doing here on earth, when we're 2,000 years into eternity, is not going to matter. Can we just all be real this morning? We say life is messy, and life is messy, and, and it's very real, and the emotions of that are very real. There's things that happened this week that got me down. I'm like, oh, man, things happen, but can I, can I encourage you this morning by saying one day when we're in 
in eternity, if Jesus Christ is your Savior, 2,000 years in, the problems that we have here on earth are not going to matter. The house size that we have is going to seem like, wow, why did I even care? Getting a brand new car, and by the way, I got a Toyota Highlander, and I'm really proud of it. I really like it. It still has the new car smell after, after like five, six weeks. And I have a nine-year-old daughter, so I know it's not going to last long. That is not going to matter at all one day. And Jesus Christ is the head. And we have to recognize before we go any further for the other two points of this three-point message. I do three points because I grew up with like a Baptist background. My dad was a Baptist pastor. And so there's always three points. Okay, I'm sorry. There's three points. Even if I only have two points, I make up a point just so I can have three points. The other two points don't make sense unless we get this part and we understand and realize that everything we do, everything we do has to be done under the power, dominion, every title given, every authority, all of it comes from Jesus Christ. We need to have a head and we can't just tell our arm what to do and we can't tell our bodies what to do and expect to fulfill our purpose unless we're doing what the head tells us to do. In Colossians chapter 2 and verse number 8, Paul writes this. So then, just as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live in him being rooted and built up in him and established in the faith, just as you were taught, overflowing with gratitude. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition. Everyone say human tradition. Human tradition. Based off the elements of the world. Everyone say elements of the world. Elements. Very good. Rather than who? Christ. Here's the battle. Ready to ready the battle that I get caught up in a lot of times? I get so upset about it. I get consumed with it. And everyone in here at one time or another, we kind of fall on one side of this battle. You look at that, it says human tradition. You have people that all about tradition. We need tradition. And then the people over here that are like, no, we need to be more like going with the culture. Like things need to be a little bit more like relevant in the church and we still elements of the world so you have these two sides and then the people that are on like we need it to be more relevant they look at the people that have tradition they're like oh people with tradition like get with the program traditionalists like come on man and then the people that are into tradition they're like yeah you know what you're being like the world and the bible says not to do that and there ends up being this fight amongst the body of christ tradition versus elements of the world which one is going to win and Jesus says, whoa, 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 whoa. Paul writes, hey, 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 you're forgetting the battle. Be careful that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deceit based on human tradition, based on the elements of the world rather than who? Christ. And there's where we mess up. We start fighting the wrong battle. We fight a battle that is horizontal, not battling for the vertical. Because we, just naturally to look, right? We look this way. 
And we see all the problems that happen this way. And we get involved in battles in the church this way. And we say, this isn't right. This isn't right. This isn't right. And then it starts to become about our preferences. Then it comes a battle that really doesn't exist when Paul is saying the real battle is to take up the banner of Jesus Christ and say, He is the head. He is the King. He has dominion. He has power. I'm going to fight for Jesus Christ. I'm going to present the gospel of Jesus Christ. I'm going to tell people the good news of Jesus Christ. Not based off of tradition. Not based off the elements of the world. But based off of Jesus Christ. So number one, before we go any further, the head has to be Jesus Christ. In order for Hamilton Hills Church to survive, and I don't mean in existence. I mean survive for the purpose that God designed the church to do. Jesus Christ has to be the head of this church. You say, that's right, Pastor Matt. It needs to be the head of the church. You're you're right. Can I tell you, you're the church? So in order for Jesus Christ to be the head of Hamilton Hills Church, he has to be the head of your life. It's we greater than me, but it starts with me. It starts with you. It starts with me. In order for us to be together as a body of believers, in order for us to be in unity, have you ever heard like a sermon on unity, right? And you hear like all the things, we need to be unified in this, and we need to be unified in this, and we need to be unified in this, we need to be unified in this. Can I tell you what we need to be unified on? Jesus Christ is the head of this church. That's what we need to be unified on. What will unify me and Paul, because Paul and I don't like anything the same. We don't even like each other. Do we? See, he said, go Colts. I'm a Patriots fan. I get it. I told, hey, listen, every, life is messy. And I'm in the sanctification process. And right now the Patriots are my team. But one day that'll, that'll move on. Man, you guys are giving me bad looks right now. Like I said that in the first service. And like a lot of people laugh. And they're like, oh, Pastor Matt, he's, that's a funny joke. And then you guys were like, leave. <laughs> leave now. I don't have to like the same things that Paul likes. I don't have to be just like Paul. In fact, in point number two, we find out that diversity is key for the body to function right. But I'm different than Paul. Paul is different than me. What unifies us is not what we like. It's not us going, man, you like football, I like football. Or, hey, you like this or you like that. Or your personality is like this, my personality. I can get along and be friends and unified with every single person under the sound of my voice because Jesus Christ can be the head of our lives. And if Paul is following Christ, and Kyle is following Christ, and Caleb's following Christ, then we can get along and we can be unified because of who we're following and who is the head. Number two, Without a purpose for the body, there is no fulfillment. You can write that in your notes. I think it's probably in your worship guide. Without a purpose for the body, there is no fulfillment. Diversity is needed for a body to function, right? An ear can't do what an arm does and function well. Can you just picture that for a minute? You know, the ear trying to be an arm or, or uh, maybe like the feet trying to be a nose. And people have told me my feet smell, so maybe... No, it's okay. 
Oh, that was a good one. Some of you are slow. That was actually a really good joke. Um, if you had been listening, okay? So you have to listen in order to get the jokes and to be entertained to get the message, which then will further the kingdom of God. Okay. Without a purpose for the body, there is no fulfillment. Diversity is needed for the body to function, but we first have to understand what is the function of the body of Christ. Why are we here? Why are you here? If, if the church is we, made up of individuals, we have to know what is our purpose for being here. Some of us think our purpose for coming to church is to be in church. Like, I'm here. What do you mean, purpose? I'm in the body of Christ. We are the church. So you were here. I checked in the attendance. Some of you think that, like, church attendance is a spiritual gift. Like, God gifted me in spiritual attend- or, uh, church attendance. I'm here today, and um, I'm pretty good at it. <laughs> I'm sitting down, and uh, I am uh, I'm part of the church because, well, because I'm here. No, the church is more than just church attendance. The church is a body of believers that's in movement. In order for the church to move in a direction, the parts of the body have to be in movement and they have to be functioning. And so God has gifted each one of you individually, no matter what stage your life in, uh, you are in, no matter what age you are, no matter what, like I said, physical inabilities or disabilities you have, no matter your personality, no matter who you are, what you've gone through, if you're breathing in here this morning, can I encourage you that God has a purpose for you in his body. The church. Sometimes we as a church, the leaders of the church, our job, by the way, the the job of the pastors of the church, we have four pastors here. Our job is not to be the body of Christ. We're in the body of Christ, just like you're in the body of Christ. Our job is not to do everything that you can't do. Our job is to lead and cast vision for the body of Christ and say, God, I believe is leading this local body of believers in this direction. And we're supposed to be doing the exact same things that you're doing. We're supposed to be a part of it. But can I tell you that there can't be just only four people doing all the serving in a church. That's your job and our job. All together, functioning together. And I'm glad that maybe you're here for the first time. And you're like, oh man, am I going to get like conned into like today joining the church and like joining and serving? And tomorrow I'm going to be in the parking lot team. Like, how did this happen? You know, sometimes it takes time and there's training and there's learning that goes along with that. But can I tell you that God wants you to be a part of a local body of believers? And that may be where you need to take a class or go through that. Or maybe you find out that Hamilton Hills, gasp, may not be the church for you. Maybe God wants you at another local body of believers where your gifts can be used for the kingdom of God. Because when we get to heaven, can I just tell you, we're not going to be flying around flags of different churches. You know, they're not going to be like bigger mansions for, well, they'll probably be bigger mansions for Hamilton Hills members, but no, they're not going to be bigger mansions for one church over another. We're all going to be in heaven. We're all going to be worshiping the head of the body of Christ, Jesus Christ. We're going to be saying, man, he's awesome. Not our church was awesome. That's not going to happen. We are all gifted in different areas for the purpose of the body of Christ. In Ephesians chapter 1 and verse 22, the function is to benefit the church. It says that we are the body 
and that we are made alive in Christ, which gives us the power to function. In Romans chapter 12 and verse 1, it says true worship. If you look at it, I think it's up on the screen. True worship at the end of the verse is to present our bodies as a living sacrifice, holy and, holy and pleasing to God. Here's my purpose. Here's your purpose. Our purpose is to worship God. And here's where I don't have time to go into like a 35-minute explanation of what exactly the definition of worship is. But can I tell you by telling you what it's definitely not? It's not only raising your hands during the singing time at church. This is how we worship God. We worship God by presenting our bodies as a living sacrifice. That means normally we're the head of what we do. Normally we decide, humanistically, when we're born, a baby does not go, oh God, please lead me in the way that you want me to go. Right? Because we're not born that way. My four-year-old daughter, she's nine now, but when she was four years old, she did not say, you know what? I just want to do what God wants me to do. She said, I want to do what daddy wants me to do because he's my favorite. No. She wanted to do what she wanted to do. And when she didn't get to do what she wanted to do, well, she's still like that. Uh, We don't normally do what other people want us to do. How many of you raise your hand and you say, I like being told what to do. It's my favorite. How many of you are like, I don't like having the remote control. I like giving it to my spouse. I like giving it to my partner or my friend. I like them deciding what I watch. No, when I... I literally, when we pull up into the driveway, I push my wife over and run in to get the remote so I can hold on to it, put it in my pocket, so I get to I like ESPN. She likes Hallmark. <laughs> right? That's a Pastor Mark joke right there. Hallmark. We like being in control. So it's not natural, not natural for us to say, God, you're in control of my life. If right now you're thinking, no, that's me. I like having God in control of my life. You might be that person that thinks that you like having God in control of your life. But really, you like being in control of your life and doing and filling in checkbox marks of what Christians do so you can say, I'm a good Christian. Can I tell you, none of us in here are good Christians. There's no good Christians. There's no awesome people. You know what is in here? There's arms and legs and fingers and toes and ligaments and joints. And all together, we work as long as we let God, Jesus Christ, be the head and decide what we're going to do and how we're going to live. Let's look at point number three, moving on. Number three is this. Without parts of the body, there is limited function or no function. I almost, when I started off the point, I put no function. But I think God gives grace to where, how many believe that life is messy and church is messy? Okay, you came to a messy church this morning. Not every single part is exactly oiled and functioning and is ready to go. And we don't need anybody else's help because uh, all the spots and, and, and positions are filled. And I'm glad you're here, but we're good to go. Everything's great. No, not everything's great. And not everything will be great until we get to heaven. And that's okay. 
So I believe that there, God gives grace to a body of believers or gives grace to a church no matter where they are at. But can I tell you that the church would function a whole lot better if everybody was involved? This statement is, excuse me, usually a, a, a true for almost all churches. But do you know that 90% of the work is usually done by 10% of the people at a church? That's usually a, a pretty correct statistic. I don't know what the exact metrics are here at Hamilton Hills Church, but usually 90% of the work is done by 10% of the people at a church. I would think, I would hope and pray that here at Hamilton Hills is probably a little bit higher than that. But can I tell you this? I don't, well, my family and I, we moved here three and a half years ago. I don't want, care about what other churches are doing or what their statistics are or where they're at. My hope and my prayer and our staff's prayer and our pastor's prayers are this. We're not going to stop until every person, which means we'll never stop, but until every person is part of the body and their fulfillment is no longer coming from things of this earth, but things of God. I know this is like a whole lot to throw on all at one time, But can I tell you that, go back to what I originally said, we we have only a short amount of time on earth. The Bible says that our life is a vapor. It's here for a little while and then vanishes away. And I'm just as guilty as anybody else in this room. When I leave here on Sunday, In about four or five hours, naturally, I'll start to get consumed with all the things of this earth and the job I have to do, the things that are going wrong, things around the house that need to be fixed. I still need to get the court around, down, around on my bottom floor. It's been like seven months. My lawn needs to be mowed. Thank God for the rain, sort of. Got a dad and a mom that are split. Dad used to be a pastor. I deal with the weight of that. I deal with, man, should I call him? Should I not call him? I have a nine-year-old daughter. That's amazing. I love her. Sometimes I wonder, am I doing enough? Sometimes my wife and I have little teeny-beatsy arguments about really, really small things because I'm a pastor and she's a pastor's wife, so we argue about, like, you know, spaghetti and stuff. No, we have times that things aren't great. Sometimes, man, in the middle of the week, I'm like, oh, man. Tired. Man, my purpose must be a relationship with my wife must get better. Purpose in life is make sure my house looks good. Purpose in life is make sure I'm leading my daughter well. All those are good things. All of those are great things. In fact, some of those things are righteous things. Can I tell you, your purpose in life is not for your marriage to stay together. Now, I believe that your marriage should stay together. Can I tell you, the purpose, your purpose in life is not your children. It's not. Your purpose in life is worshiping God in all that you do. Now, worshiping God in all that you do includes taking care of your children. It includes 
your marriage being good, but sometimes we get so, I got, what are the 10 top things to keep my marriage in order? What are the top 10? Let me get, buy a book on child rearing. Can I tell you, worship God? Put him first, make him the head of your life. And all of those things of like, how am I gonna do this? All of those will start to fall in order. And can I tell you that part of worshiping God and making God the head is being a part of a body of believers. I say that unashamedly. I know I'm one of the pastors up here. I'm on staff. I get a paycheck for being up here on the platform and talking to you. But can I tell you that I still say that unashamedly? The best thing for you to do and one of the ways that you should be worshiping God is to be involved in a local body of believers. And if that is Hamilton Hills Church, you need to be involved here. Not because it makes my life better, because it makes your life better and because it's worship to God. God designed you specifically, gave you gifts that you may not even know that you have so that you could serve the body of Christ. There are people that don't know, listen to this, please listen to this. There are people that you may know or may not know who do not have the hope that Jesus Christ brings that are waiting for you to finally say, I'm gonna present myself a living sacrifice to God. I'll be a part of the body. It means I'm sacrificing what I want and putting a different head on who I am. And if that means I need to witness to somebody and I'm like, I don't know if I can do that. If it means I need to talk to my neighbor, invite him to the invite them to church and you go, I don't know if I want to invite them to church. If they know I go to church, they're going to know I'm a Christian. They know, man, all that stuff I've been doing. (laughs) This world and this life ain't about us. It's not. But that's awesome. It's about something greater. It's all about him. And when we lay down our life and our passions And we say, I'll be a part of the body of Christ. The things that overwhelm us. Oh, should I take that job promotion? Should I not take the job? Should I do, should I don't do that? Whatever it is that's weighing heavy on you. Can I tell you? That pressure starts to go away. And you realize if God's the head and he's the one making decisions in my life, I'm pretty sure he'll make the right decision even if it's not a decision that I want to do, it'll be the right decision. And that doesn't mean everything will work out and that means you'll be a millionaire. What it means is you'll fulfill your purpose, which is to worship God and then tell somebody else about what God did for you and somebody else can see the power of Jesus Christ. Well, I hope you enjoyed today's podcast. If you made a decision or would like to know more about us, you can connect with us at hamiltonhillschurch.org or via social media at Hamilton Hills Church. Also, if our church has impacted you in any way and you would like to make a donation, you can do so by going to hamiltonhillschurch.org slash give. We hope you have a great week, and we'll see you next time on the Hamilton Hills Church Podcast.